Hello and welcome to another episode of Rigori, the Italian football podcast where at least one of the hosts always likes to have a good rant. I'm Marco Rinaldi. And I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi. Uh, and uh, we've got plenty to rant about this week, or I certainly do anyway, I'm not sure about you. Um, I don't know if we uh, want to briefly touch on the game that has just finished, the Roma-Udinese game, a fairly easy win for Roma in the end there. Um what did you make of it? Well, I mean, it was fairly grim stuff at yeah. the start. It was, I mean, the Roma, not, I was just thinking as I was watching, I thought there are teams that you tune in, you look forward to watching, and there are teams on your list that you don't look forward to watching. Roma, I'm afraid, are on my list of don't look forward to watching alongside, guess who, Juventus. <laughs> and, uh, and Udinese are not a team I particularly enjoy watching either because I do think they favour kind of athleticism over skill which they showed again tonight when Pafundi got about the last 12 minutes or something mm-hmm. after they kind of although a bit annoying I would be a bit annoyed if I was a new Dinesi fan because they kind of they didn't do much at all got it was very scrappy sort of game really and then Roma got ahead with their, their penalty and then went 2-0 behind. And then suddenly when they went 2-0 behind, they started playing a bit of football, which showed that they did have that in their locker. They just chose not to... Well, I say chose not to. I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's situational things that dictate how a team plays. It's not as simple as saying, we'll go out all guns blazing and attack, and that works necessarily. Mm. But, you know, they did look like a team that once they took the handbrake off could cause Roma a few problems. Roma are another team that like to play with a handbrake on, though, you know, so it didn't make a great spectacle, but I thought, you know, there's some good things for it. If you were a Roma fan, Pellegrini getting a goal after his, you know, his penalty missed during the week, I think that was a positive. Belotti fouling himself in the penalty box is one of the comedy highlights. I mean, I I find it quite sad to watch Andrea Belotti play now because there was a spell... You know, I don't know, maybe, I suppose now we're talking maybe six or seven years ago where he looked like the next great thing of Italian striking. Everything he hit became a goal. But I think, you know, unfortunately, it's looking like that was maybe a fluke. And the reality is he's a slightly lesser player than that. And it's a shame to watch him going through the motion. I don't rule out a late, late flourish somewhere but I don't think it's happening at I don't think it's happening at Roma and then to, to cap it all from a, a Gialloroso point of view Tammy Abraham who'd been struggling to score got a goal as well came off the bench got a goal and that bodes well for I suppose for the European game that they've got to they've got to try and turn round during the week yeah and, and just touching on that European obviously uh, Roma's uh, city rivals Lazio um, Sari was making the point that you know, Italian clubs can't compete on two fronts. And until the Roma game tonight, he might have had a point, I guess, because the Champions League teams and the other European teams in Europe, Fiorentina accepted, of course, because they've not played yet. And that will no doubt be a win, an easy win. Um, You know, they, they all struggled this weekend. Now, my own view is that obviously the, 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 the ones in the Champions League, particularly Napoli and Milan, uh, were resting players and clearly had their minds on something else. But do you think he has a point there? I, I, I do think he has a point. Um, you know, and I don't know how much of it's just psychological. That it's kind of it is an Italian 
mentality that that you know to get. Uh, there's no doubt this season's exceptional. You know we have got a lot of games packed into a short space of time, and I think in a way it's being dictated a bit by the nature of Serie A this season as well. It's almost a foregone conclusion who's going to win it, and so everyone can afford to chop and change. So Milan changed ten out of. The eleven players, and only Mike Magnon was looking around, mm-hmm. saying, "Who are who are these guys in front of me? I have no idea." Because and and you know they paid the price for that with a you know a, a draw. Um, Inter didn't change quite as much, but you know they struggled as well. But again, you know this is now from reading in the press, Inzaghi's job depends upon getting through against Benfica. So why would you put all your resources into? Monza, I mean, hats off to Calderola, by the way, the ex-Inter youth product who scored the winner for Monza, and I saw Galliani yeah. up in the stand, absolutely loving it, because it's not, it's never an ordinary win for Adriano Galliani when you beat Inter. Um, Juve struggled, although, you know, I, I think their struggles are more to do with an identity of play than an yeah. actual, you know, worrying about Europe. Although, again, you know, with the points deduction, you'd have to say, Europe is in, in their head. And then, you know, in fairness to Sarri, his team did play some nice, nice stuff that out of Europe. I, I don't buy it entirely because I do think that a really good team doesn't need that huge a squad. And when, you know, when Napoli were on song earlier in the season, they were playing games every three days and playing brilliantly and almost entirely with the same with the same personnel. And I, I don't know if you saw that Sarri fell out with a a yeah, water polo team over yeah. this uh-huh. over this concept as well because they asked him what players he would like to sign and he said well I'd like to have 11 players for the league 11 players for the cup in Europe and 11 players for the Coppa Italia like ProReco have and then the ProReco posted into it said you're about 10 years out of date we don't have that anymore we've got so 16 players I think they said yeah. and they're still in Europe Aye, so sorry, sorry, was caught out, was caught out there. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's always a bit of mind games with this as well. Certainly, you know, this this weekend was a kind of evidential case that, that you know for for the prosecution and that that you know they did struggle. And I think it is, you know, it's bound to be, uh, you know, you're bound to be more tired. You're bound to be, especially if you've had a an away trip. I think then you know that's going to be, you know, you played ninety minutes of football if you've got a small squad. But I, I do think that, you know, if you if you go back, I guess they maybe weren't playing as many games, but, you know, go back to sort of smaller squads. I mean, it was kind of Milan, I suppose, that were pioneers of that. I don't know if you remember when Silvio Berlusconi had, like, Milan 1 and Milan 2, the Panchina Lunga, and he wanted to have two interchangeable kind of first loves. That never really worked either because, you know, not everybody is Rude Gullet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you do you miss you miss your champions, and I think you know for Napoli as an example, um, having Osimhen missing has been an absence. I mean, he came on for a sort of cameo role and nearly broke the crossbar for yeah. them this weekend, which shows you know it shows what a difference it makes. You know, with with all the respect in the world to Raspadori to Elmas that was brought in in Europe, you know, it's it's a different thing. So I think I think there is some credibility to the argument but I'm not entirely sold on it I don't know what do you feel Marco yeah no I mean I I, I agree that the, the it's a balance isn't it obviously the Italian squads don't have the depth that they used to have and they don't have the depth of like the bigger English teams for example or even some of the smaller English teams but um I'm not convinced that 
that is as simple an explanation that, that Sari's trying to portray it as. And I think, as I said, there is a lot of, if, if, if we were in a court, I would say it's a lot of circum- circumstantial evidence this weekend because there's a real reason why these clubs didn't do well this weekend because their minds are, are on Europe and Napoli didn't need points. You know, it's not as important to them this weekend. I think they can compete on two. I think Napoli are competing on two. It's obviously going to be a big game in the Champions League, which brings me on to that because obviously another good set of results overall for for Italian clubs, really. Roma accepted, probably. But um, Napoli-Milan went the way more of the of the league game than than people perhaps expected and Milan did a good job I suppose of closing them down and and scoring that goal in the break that they did I thought it was a brilliant turn by Diaz you might criticize the Napoli midfield for being beaten by, yeah, by a single yeah they turn. bought they bought it yeah. they bought but, it um, blind and you know it, but... it was it was a it was a beautiful turn and then a good finish, and it certainly sets up the second leg to be something quite special, I think. It, 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 it absolutely does. I mean, it's intriguing. I, I think, you know, to me, this is like the season where Italian coaching is kind of taking centre stage because I think we all thought Napoli were uncatchable, and that was testament, partly anyway, to Luciano Spalletti's work. But Stefano Pioli, who is an underrated coach in my eyes and you know and he was nearly it wasn't so long ago that he was nearly out the door again at, at Milan you know there's certainly those that would have um, sent him packing but I think if you play a team twice three times four times a season Italian managers even at a much lower level than Milan can will work you out you know mm. if you if you've got a set of tricks a set of tactics you know which which Napoli clearly have and it's a very good set of tactics and it works very well but I think you give Piotr and he's now clearly prioritised those European games over the league games, he's got a resource there that's you know a strong first 11 plus 3 or 4 subs and a game plan that frustrates or thwarts what, what Napoli can do shut down Quaratskalia over over the last two games, obviously Ozymen hasn't been a, a factor and that's you know that that's hard for for Napoli to cope without, but I think it's been a coaching masterclass really so far from from Pioli. It will be hard to do that again in the Maradona, and it's also it's slightly you know I, I always think it's slightly easier to defend and counter than it is to impose your play. I, you know, and I, yeah. I do like managers teams that go out, and that was what's so refreshing about Napoli from an Italian point of view. But in the end, you know. You're not an idiot. If if somebody's clearly going to be better than you at doing that, then you have to use the weapons at your disposal. Yeah. And and Milan have done that, so it sets up an absolutely intriguing game, you know. And if should I think for neutrals would want Napoli to get ahead to then set up to see, you know, can Milan respond to that? I think if Milan, I think we know they'll play it a bit more cagey and be happy, to, and who wouldn't be happy to counter when you've got. A machine like Rafael Leal that seems to have clicked again this season to to the player he was last season, then why wouldn't you play to that strength? And and you alluded to Brian Diaz. I mean, he's been a revelation these last few games as well. He's been the player that I presume Man City thought they were they they, they were signing. So you know that's you know they've got a few 
you know, you don't just go from winning the title to being rubbish overnight. But as I say, that was a masterclass. Hats off to Mr. Cups as well. We've we've insulted Simone Inzaghi, but he did a good job with Inter because did, yeah. a lot of football um, intelligentsia were saying, oh, Benfica will have their number, you know, especially at their own ground. Now, I don't put it past because they are Pats Inter. I don't put it past them at all to mess up a two-goal lead. But, you know, they, they were worth it. And they, they showed, again, astuteness, sharpness, kind of just managerial nous that um, Italians seem to have built in, um, you know, and, and they showed that there. So that, you know, the, the, the coaching factor, I think, you have to make use. You don't have the resources to go yeah, out and buy the right. greatest players. So you have to use what are your skills. And I think, you know, they have got good players and they're, trying ways to find you know players on their way up or whatever but I think the the coach and the way that they've played some of these key games in Europe the teams that I would say you know on paper have been you know inferior I'm thinking of, of Inter and Milan earlier in the competition have come through games where you know you're worried about their fate but by getting the tactics right by getting everything right on the pitch they've they've come through and it looks to all the world as if there should be an Italian team back in the Champions League final. Yeah, well, it, certainly if it, yeah, if Inter can hold on, then that will be the case, which will be quite incredible, really. And obviously, speaking of Italian coaches, there's one in the other half of the draw in Ancelotti, who is who is marching again towards a, a final, which is incredible. His record in the Champions League. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. I heard, I heard the guy saying, I don't know what I was watching um, Manchester City at the weekend and. They were singing Guardiola's praises, and you know, it's his great coach. He said the greatest of all time, and I thought, well, you're a bit hasty. Yeah, you know, I think we we get drawn into what's happening now, and because you're beating Leicester City, you know, convincingly, doesn't make you the greatest coach of all time, you know. And and then uh, my son said to me, well, who is the greatest coach of all time? I said, well. I don't know because you go back obviously in time and you pick out you know your your great figures from the past your Herrera, Sakis, whoever you think. But Ancelotti, in his own way, without the I don't think he does anything. He's not a man of tactical innovation. No. He's not a man that you know would be his praises would be sung that way. But in terms of winning trophies and and kind of guiding teams where it's it's more about dealing with all the shit that goes on at a big club I think he's just he's so expert and he seems unflappable and likeable and he gets the maximum out of a group of players that's but I mean undeniably he's got a very good group of players but just the same you know that doesn't mean look at Paris Saint-Germain yeah. just because you've got a good group of players doesn't mean you win things no so, I mean he, he he seems to be the ultimate sort of man manager I think must you know everyone that plays for him seems to like him and whatever he does engenders a, a winning mentality in his teams, particularly in the Cups as well. He's, he seems to be very good at that. So. I, I'd love to go out for dinner with him. <laughs> yes, that would be, you know what I mean? I know, that, I know that that's nothing to do with football, but I just think he would be absolutely fantastic 
company. So, you know, if anybody knows anybody who is in... Uh, did they not? I'm Ancelotti's, sure he had a relative in Dunfermline or something. I think, you think there is a connection. I yeah. think you're right. I think there is a Scottish connection. So, as I see, anybody go, you know, some contact to Ancelotti's entourage. See, look, a Thursday night, I always go out <laughs> for a meal. We'd love to have you at the table. Because I know he's like that. He turned up at... Did you not turn up at someone's house and they were having a barbecue? Yeah. And he says, oh, invite me in. I'll come and sit down, you know. So, I, th- I think... I just think he'd be great, great, great company. And, you know, and there's not that many, you know, as you look around the benches of Europe, no, there's not that many not people many you think, ooh, yeah. you know, I see, I'd absolutely love. But I think you'd sit down there and he'd have sauce all down his front <laughs> and it would be just fa- absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, and in, in the other uh, European competitions, more good results. Juve scraped a win, as as is their style. And uh, Roma obviously lost, but still definitely in the tie. But Fiorentina, your team, continued their sensational run. This is this is not like following Fiorentina, Marcus. I feel I'm getting a glimpse into the world of what it's like to follow Celtic and Rangers, only <laughs> only for a very brief time. But I, I mean, I don't I don't have the sort of arrogant swagger of a supporter of um, one of Europe's giants. But I mean, the facts are that. In terms of form, Fiorentina now stand as one of the very best teams uh, up there with Man City in terms mm-hmm. of their... Obviously, they're, they're not playing in the Champions League, they're not playing at that level, but at their level... And it was an absolute roasting they gave to... You know, and it was another one where people said, mm, you know, be wary, Poznan could be a, a, a tricky customer. But they, they dealt with it. What's happened, though, is that suddenly from all the shots that they were taking earlier in the season that were ending up in the stand and hitting the corner flag, suddenly they're all going into the net because they weren't actually that, you know, they weren't that productive against Bosnia. They, they had plenty of chances. And I don't know if you saw Jonathan Ikone's goal was an absolute beauty. He ran from sort of, I mean, not quite WIS, but he ran certainly from... Well, it was probably inside the opposite, but you know, beat your man, mm-hmm. ran on, and yeah. then but he guided a shot into the bottom. This was not the Jonathan Econi of the first half of the season, he would have guided that shot into yeah. the pie stand behind the goal. But you, you he, wonder if you know, is this a statistical will will statistics balance it out then if they uh, were missing de- them all? Definitely, at the start definitely. The, the, real, the real Fiorentina is probably somewhere in the middle. I can't believe, having followed them all my life, I can't believe that this team that's steamrolling sides and winning <laughs> games is the real. Fiorentina, but you know, I think there is there is a you're right, there is a balancing out there. I also think somebody made quite a good point um, during commentary on the game midweek was that Fiorentina had hardly anybody at the World Cup, and so they had a month really. To, he had a month Italiano to kind of sort out that team, and definitely there was a game in Verona which was a kind of watershed for them because if they'd lost that, they were going to get dragged down into the relegation dogfight they won that and from then on they've gone on winning but I do think he's had time to kind of fine tune um, the the team as I say hardly anyone you know other than Amrabat really Milenkovic a bit Jovic a little bit but most of the squad would have been back in Florence and it seems like you know something on the training ground has clicked he's got a few key players back as well so you know it may well all go fucked um, on on Monday night against Atalanta, that would be although that's looking like a kind of European showdown. Really, if, if Fiorentina do win that, then they would be in the hunt to qualify through the league as well. You know, but you know, big big games coming up. The, the obviously 
I would hope that they at four one up they even <laughs> even they couldn't mess up the Poznan game and then then it would be a semi final with either Nice or Basel in the Conference League. They've got a two nil lead um, over Cremonese in the Coppa Italia. Although I mean, hats off to Cremonese. You wait long enough, like buses, and two victories come along. You know they've managed to to win. Too little, too late, I think, for Cremonese. But, um, you know, again, that's back in Florence, so you would expect for it. So they've got the prospect of a, a European semi-final, an Italian Cup final, and, you know, potentially on Monday, a, a fight, a tilt at the top six, which, you know, if you'd offered me that um, yeah, at the opening out this part of the season... I'd have thought you were entirely delusional, but <laughs> there, there you go. Dreams, dreams can't come true, but not in not in Serie B, though, Marco. I believe, or not certainly not well, amongst not uh, amongst like, the referees of no, Serie not B. among the referees. I mean, Venezia got another good win yesterday, three two. Um, a game that the scoreline is closer than it should have been, which is what I said about the Como game. But we've actually been on decent form, playing well. We lost last week to Regina. And there my rant will start because um, we went 1-0 down against a pretty average Regina side, I have to say, who play a very um, old-school Italian football, which isn't particularly great to watch. But we equalised um, in the first half. It was a fairly lo- sort of long ball through. Dennis Johnson reached his boot out to get it, but... It didn't look like he touched it, and the ball went through to Poyampalo, who absolutely blasted it in the goal. Great finish. And then there was an endless wait to decide whether or not it was offside, because Poyampalo was ahead of Johnson if Johnson had touched the ball. But the the replays we saw, there was no evidence that Johnson touched the ball. None. Certainly not clear and obvious uh-huh. evidence. Uh-huh. So I've no idea why that was disallowed. It, you know, the clear and obvious thing has obviously gone out the window. And then in the game yesterday, uh, we had a good goal disallowed for a man's stud being <laughs> offside um, to make it 4-1. And then uh, uh, they they got a penalty in towards the end of the game, which caused obviously a huge panic at the end because they scored the penalty in a game that we were cruising to a victory, when the man clearly dived. Like, uh-huh. he he he, ju- he fell into our player's shin. It wasn't the <laughs> other way around. And and it was clear that it was a dive. Even the commentator was saying, that doesn't look like a penalty. And yet the ref didn't even go to the screen. So it's a complete inconsistency in that, application. That, that's the thing. That is the thing, is that you see it week in, week out. The same two incidents you know or virtually the same yeah. obviously not exactly the same but you know virtually the same two incidents won't get the same treatment i mean i and I, mean, I guess that is down to the fact that it's not the same people it's not but just to see it is it is infuriating that you'll know my feelings on the handball yeah. ones which i think have just now become you know i i, I, I do feel pity for any defender in the box who, you know, lifts his arm above the elbow, you'd be better to have some kind of contraption that strapped your arms down. Um, Because if, I mean, I've seen penalties given this season where the ball's been headed down onto someone's arm from, like the length from your head to your arm, that's it. Like, so, I don't know, two feet or something, three feet maybe away, and that's being given as a penalty. 
and how that can be clear and obvious, I don't know, but it's because we've got the technology now we can go back and look at it. And and the same thing, it fuels fan anger and it fuels, in Italy, conspiracy theories as well because, you know, when one team gets that kind of decision, I mean, they were so, you know, there's a lot of these now seem to be the players that don't touch the ball being given offside as yeah. well, which is which is fair enough. You can be that, but then that has to happen all the time again, and it's just so open to interpretation. It's so you know, and it's so inconsistently done as well. That's the well, other well, thing. What what annoys me is that you see like that goal that Poyan Palace scored last week. The ref gave the goal, so if you can't tell from the replays that it was definitely a touch from Johnson, and like I say, we saw replays from various angles, it wasn't clear the ball deviated. You know, it was like watching Snickle in, in cricket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, they wouldn't have given it out there because the ball didn't deviate. Maybe if they'd had a sound thing on it, they could have found something. But but um, it, it was, you know, it, 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 I don't understand. I thought it was meant to be clear and obvious, and sometimes they'll go to it because it's clear and obvious. And that wasn't clear and obvious, but they've overturned the ref's decision. It doesn't and make sense. What were the chances of Dennis Johnson doing something well, useful? Quite, you exactly. Know, Although take, he did have a good I, game yesterday. Yeah, yeah. No, I did actually notice that. I did actually notice that. We've spoken of him many times yeah. before and he can be an infuriating player but he did deliver, but they could have taken in, in case history, you yes, could, have, indeed, he could yes. have cited at least 200 <laughs> instances where he he didn't do anything useful no. to interfere with to interfere with play. So, but yeah, it's 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 those kind of minuscule things. As I said, I think we've said it before a number of times that there seems to be now a desire because the technology is there to go back and analyze every goal in minute detail, mm-hmm. and and that's not. We were promised a well. I think there was meant to be a lighter touch with it, so that yeah. it didn't kind of interfere, and yet. We don't seem to be getting that a lot of the time. You still see in every weekend. I, I see decisions, particularly in Italy, that I think, well, why, why, you know, either why did they go and look at that one, or it, why didn't know, they, yeah, or why didn't yeah. they, you know? So, so there, there isn't consistency on that, and that is definitely something that um, they, they, they need to look at. And you know, if if I had any here left to pull out, it would make me pull it out if it happened against my team, as it has happened, you know, it has happened against old. But I think when it consistently not as happened, much against Venezia. No, no, no. I mean, I think we know <laughs> that there is a conspiracy against the Venetians that goes back to probably the 17th or 18th century, I think. I think so, you know, so there's just a jealousy I mean, there uh, of the, just to of touch the, great, where... <laughs> the great republic exactly. once where, I think. Um, just to touch on where that leaves us, we're, yes. we're um, two points out of the play out, so the relegation playoff spots. So we needed to win that, but we're only, um, again, seven points off the, the playoff spots, ridiculously, being Serie B. But we play nuts. Ternana next week, who, again, it's another it's another game, must-win game, I think. that's We've got, we've got, I think we've got five games left. I think we're going to have to win at least, you know, three or four of them if we want to be sure that we're not going to get involved in that playoff. Definitely. As you say, because, just because it's such a tight, compact league. And, and still unpredictable, you know, I think there are there are teams to me that look in worse form um, and definitely play worse football than Venezia. So that 
I would say as an outsider, I would try to reassure you with that. But just the same, looking at the league table doesn't provide a lot of reassurance because it would just take you right a couple of bad games, um, particularly if they're against kind of key rivals down that bottom end of the table, um, would would be bad. But equally, I suppose if you could, um, if they switch VAR off for a couple of games, <laughs> Marco, you can get back right up there. Into the you know uh, a glorious tilt at the at the playoffs and indeed. and who knows indeed yeah I it, I find it frustrating because we are playing quite good stuff now and I think if we'd been able to do this even from sort of you know Christmas time or something consistently then it would be a different story but anyway let's just hope we we managed to stay up this season but we have rambled on enough mm, for this indeed week, we I have think. indeed we have um, so we will bring it to a quick close if you enjoyed the episode uh, please do rate and review us follow us subscribe all of these things really help us and otherwise we will see you next episode see you soon. <laughs>